great to see you this morning. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to start there, and then we're going to kind of focus on prophecy today. And so that's kind of where I wanted to go all along, but we kind of built up to it. So anyway, 1 Corinthians 12, we welcome all those who are joining us by way of live stream as well. So we're continuing a series on discovering and desiring spiritual gifts and where you plug into the body of Christ, all right? And so I'm waiting for my clicker to kick in. It just kicked in. And so spiritual gifts, as we talked about last week, they need to be studied. I think we should study them. We should desire them. The Bible says we should desire spiritual gifts. And we also need to understand they need to be developed. I just want to encourage you to be patient with each other. As you discover your gift, every spiritual gift has to grow and has to mature. That's a process that we're on. That's really important to remember, all right? And so the Bible says, a scripture we've looked at every week in 1 Corinthians 12. Now, the two chapters, again, that talk the most about spiritual gifts are 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, all right? And so those are the passages you will always go to if you're studying spiritual gifts. They will at least be a part of your study. And in between chapter 12, chapter 14 is chapter 13, which is the love chapter. And that's really, really important when we're studying spiritual gifts. But chapter 12 starts off, now concerning spiritual gifts are spiritual things, brethren. I would not have you ignorant. So God wants us to understand spiritual things. Can I tell you, God never designed the church to operate in the flesh. He never designed the church to just do the best we can. I believe God wants us to tap in to the Spirit. He wants us to tap in to His power. That's really, really important. Now, here's what I've, I've, I've discovered about any subject that sometimes can be controversial. And gifts is one of those subjects, that if I'm really being honest, I would just as soon not talk about because it makes some people mad. And so here's what I've discovered about spiritual gifts. If you can imagine this field being the truth of God, we all have a certain camp, a certain theological camp that we surround ourselves. As we mentioned, there are some who believe that the gifts have ceased, all right? There's another camp that believes the gifts have continued. I, 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 I have people that I absolutely love, I respect, that believe that the gifts have ceased. The miraculous gifts have ceased. I love these people. I think they're solid. But they just, they're in that camp that believes these gifts are no longer available. There are other people who I love who believe the gifts have continued. All right, The same gifts that God gave in the book of Acts he gives today. Now, I'm, I'm of that camp. All right? I'm just telling you, I'm of that camp. But again, and there's some people who are kind of in the middle. They just build a little campfire there and they just don't want to, they don't want to make anybody mad. So they just kind of hang out in the middle, all right? And so there are people on the extreme of both sides, by the way. These people that are on the extreme of both sides, their camp is itty-bitty. And if you don't fit into their itty-bitty theology, you literally don't usually belong. So there are some radicals out there who believe that God no longer operates like God used to operate. I don't believe that. And there are other people over here on the other extreme that say, man, you can, you can have every gift. You don't need the church. You can have every gift. You can bless yourself. I don't believe that. So here's my camp, all right? My theological camp includes almost everybody. 
There are people on the extreme that would not like me because I embrace people that in a pretty broad circle. That's why in our church we have people from a charismatic background, from a Catholic background. Can I tell you, I love the body of Christ. And when I'm studying gifts, I'm not going to separate people because they don't see everything like I see it. I want to tell you, I love you guys. And man, when I'm talking about gifts, and somebody say, man, I've had people tell me, you shouldn't do that, man. Stay away from gifts. But why would you stay away from the things of the Spirit? I mean, God has designed this thing where he wants us to operate in spiritual gifts. Who do you think is trying to get us to stay away from studying spiritual gifts? It's the dark side. God wants us. He says, don't be ignorant. We, sounds like we need to learn about spiritual gifts. All right, so my camp is pretty inclusive. All right, and that's on most subjects, by the way. I mean, I can have lunch with people who don't see it exactly like I see it. But how many of you know that God's truth is bigger than your camp? How many of you know you don't have all truth? And here's what I've discovered. I learned from people in both camps. I learn from people who aren't in any of those camps. I mean, I want to just sit and I want to learn all I can, and I am a work in progress, and I will continue to be so. But if you remember in chapter 12, Paul says, the manifestation of the Spirit is given to only the pastor. No, that's not what he says. Who's the manifestation of the Spirit given to? Every believer. I just want to tell you the same Spirit that works in me works in you. Same spirit. Same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you to give life to your mortal body. I, I should at least get a grunt there or something. Right there. I know it's good. The same Holy Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you. God bless one of you. However, out there clapping, all right? But I just want to tell you, when we're studying spiritual gifts, it is an amazing discovery to discover that, hey, God wants to use me in the body of Christ. All right? And so one thing studying spiritual gifts will do, it's going to get you challenged to go home and look in your Bible. Some of you are going to go home saying, I'm going to prove him wrong. That's awesome. Go dig deep. Study hard. And we'll have lunch. You can buy me lunch and I'll listen to you, okay? And so the manifestation of the Spirit is given... To each one, why? To profit the body. Can I tell you, God did not save you so that you could go out and bless yourself. God saved you to profit the body of Christ. And so God has designed this thing where we need each other. And how many of you think there are times that you really feel like you could do better without the church? You guys are holy. I've had a couple of those moments. I've had a couple of those moments. I, I, God, I can do better. Well, God says, uh, uh, you got a problem, son. And so the manifestation spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. As we mentioned last week, this is so important that Christ is the head of the church. I want to remind you guys, the pastor is not the head of the church. Now, there are some pastors I've met who think they're the head of the church. And sometimes we get filled with pride and somehow elevate ourselves. But the Bible says Christ is the head. This is really important. All right? So it says in Ephesians, he put all things under his feet. I love that. 
and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. As I mentioned last week, I don't care if you think you're the little toe in the body of Christ. A lot of people feel very insignificant. But even if you are the little toe in the body of Christ, it says he put everything under his feet. Which means that everything is under you. I want to tell you, you have authority and Satan will throw everything he can at you. But if you're in the body of Christ, even if you're the little toe, he put everything under his feet. Isn't that good news? Man, you don't have to walk around in defeat because God has gifted you. God wants us to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's why when we think about getting the body together, when we all study spiritual gifts, when we all find out where we belong in the body, you know, how many of you know your body functions better if everybody in the body is listening to the head? What if you have an arm saying, I don't want to listen to the head today, I'm going to do my thing. My foot say, hey, I'm not going to listen to that. I mean, I'm going to do my thing. You'd still be in bed today. You couldn't get out of bed. So everything functions by the head. And so when we all line up in the body of Christ, then I believe the anointing of God begins to flow through the body. Can I tell you the world is waiting to see a church just be under the anointing of God and a church doing what only God can do in a church. I think the world is tired of all the performance of the flesh. I think they want to see God. I think they're hungry to experience Jesus in the church. And the only way I know to do that is get under the authority of the head, understand spiritual gifts, and just let God use me, let God use you to profit the body of Christ. All right? So the last verse in 1 Corinthians 12 is this. Here's how he ends the chapter. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So again, he says, the very last of chapter 12, he says, earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, in one hand, the Bible says the Holy Spirit distributes gifts as he wills. So there are some gifts we receive because God chooses to give them to us. But the Bible also says that we can desire the better gifts. I don't think I ever remember being taught to have a passion for the greater gifts. I don't remember being ever taught to desire spiritual gifts. And why would we? Why would Paul say that? Kind of sounds like we would benefit if we would desire spiritual gifts. All right? And so he says, I'll show you a more excellent way. So after chapter 12 of 1 Corinthians comes what? And you can ask anybody around you, chapter 13, all right? And so in between chapter 12 and 14, the two chapters that deal with gifts and all the different uh, obstacles and the different things about gifts, he says in chapter 13, the more, er, the more perfect way. And he says, if you read the first eight verses of chapter 13, he says, I don't care if you speak with the tongues of men and angels. I don't care if you can prophesy the chrome off a bumper. I don't care if you have faith to remove mountains. If you do not have love, it's nothing. And so can I say this? That however you're serving the body of Christ, if you're not doing it in the love of God, it's nothing. And so everything we do in the body of Christ, we should desire God's love to flow through what we do to the body of Christ. If you're doing it for a pat on the back or get your name in the bulletin, that's the wrong reason. 
But everything we do should be in the love of God. And then he goes to chapter 14. And this is the verse I wanted to get to. All that was just the runway, all right? So we're going to take off right now and just pray that the flight is short, all right? So we're going to take off right now. And so he says, pursue love. He just talked about love, so pursue love. But then he said again, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you prophesy. Especially that you prophesy. I want to tell you, I don't believe everybody can have all the gifts. That's my understanding. But I do believe everyone can prophesy. All right? I believe everyone, this gift is available if we desire it. Why would this gift, why would Paul tell us to desire the gift of prophecy? Now again, I don't remember ever being taught to desire prophecy. And I have people tell me a lot of different things about prophecy, and there's a lot of things out there. Let me say right up front, the gift of prophecy is not like the Old Testament prophet. God is not going to raise up another prophet to stand up and just say, thus saith the Lord. The Bible is complete. I don't believe God's going to add a 67th book to the Bible. God's not going to use you to, to write another book of the Bible. I just want to go on, just stay humble, all right? But I believe that prophecy, again, as I understand prophecy, it's so incredibly simple. And I think God wants us all to pursue prophecy. All right, let me give you a definition of it. So the word itself signifies speaking forth the mind and the counsel of God. But Paul gives this kind of a dictionary definition of prophecy in uh, chapter 14, verse 3. He says this, would you all read with me? He who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. So prophecy is speaking encouragement, it's, it's building up the body of Christ, and it's comforting the body of Christ, all right? So prophecy, as Paul defines it, is really just speaking the heart of God to our fellow believers, and we're building them up. Our words should encourage them, and our words should comfort them. And so prophecy is really just knowing the heart of God and letting the heart of God spill out of our words to build up the body of Christ, all right? It's that simple. Now, the Amplified Bible says it this way, verse 3 of chapter 14. The one who prophesies speaks to people for edification, to promote their spiritual growth, speaks words of encouragement to uphold and advise them concerning the matters of God, and speaks words of consolation to compassionately comfort them. And so I believe that prophecy, in very simple terms, is just, again, using our words, feeling the heart of God, and trying to love on people and encourage them. Yesterday, I had the privilege of doing a funeral over in Union. It was a, a, long, a young lady, I call her young, she's 41 years old, who passed away, was a member of our church here. And uh, she had had, I mean, came to the funeral. I didn't know if that many people would be there because she had been sick for quite a while. And, and the place was packed. The place was packed. And some of the people that came to the funeral, you would probably never see at the church. But you know, when I looked out, I prayed to God, God, help me to love these people. Help me to share your heart with these people today. And man, when I stood up, it wasn't about just making a good speech or a good eulogy at the funeral. I wanted them to experience the love of God, the encouragement of God, the comfort of God. 
And so I tried to love on the parents. I tried to encourage everybody there. I know if Sandy could come back, she just want to tell you how much God loves you. That God loves you so much that he died on the cross. He chose to die for your sin rather than to have heaven without you. Man, I tried to pour my heart into loving those people with the love of God. I mean, now Raymond, Raymond goes to a lot of funerals. He does a lot of funerals. He goes to a lot of funerals. He needs to up his social life just a little bit. But I love Raymond. But can I tell you what an opportunity we all have. Everywhere we go, we have the opportunity just to build up other people through our words. I mean, your words can produce life into other people. Now, I've come up with my own definition. How many of you think I have the right to have a definition? You may not like it, but it's my definition. All right? Here's my definition of prophecy. Prophecy is sensing God's heart for another believer and in love, and that's really, really important, in love. Everything should be done in love. In love, communicating that message to build up, encourage, and or comfort them. All in the world prophecy is, as defined by the Bible. It's not an Old Testament prophet that says, Thus saith the Lord. You are not going to be the voice of God directly. But I think it's just walking with God and walking in the Spirit in such a way that you have His heart and His compassion for other people. And everywhere you go, your words encourage, your words build up, your words comfort people. God wants to love the body of Christ through you. Now in chapter uh, 14, he makes this contrast between speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy. He kind of goes back and forth. Now, I'm just giving you my simple definition. I see speaking in tongues as a private language with us praying to God. And for the most part, Paul says it should not be in a public setting unless there's an interpreter. Now, I've been in a lot of churches that everybody's speaking in tongues, nobody's interpreting, and it seems like mass confusion. But they all feel good. They're excited. But Paul says it should not be in a public setting unless there's an interpreter. It, speaking in tongues is, as I understand, more of a private language to God. But prophecy is just the opposite. It's understanding the heart of God and speaking to people on behalf of God words that will build up encourage and comfort. So again, kind of opposite, speaking in tongues, a prayer language that we pray to God, so it's mainly for God's benefit. Prophecy, on the other hand, is knowing the heart of God and sharing the heart of God with other people with words they can understand. And again, those words will always build up encourage and comfort. And we have that privilege we have that privilege of walking with God and prophesying. And somehow, I, I grew up and somehow, and I don't know, remember who told me, but somebody told me prophecy is preaching. Now, prophecy should include preaching. I mean, hopefully the pastor is encouraging. The pastor is building up and comforting. That should be a part of a pastor's message. But it should also be a part of every small group. Every small group leader should be in comfort, encouraging, building up, and comforting their class. Everywhere you go, you have the opportunity 
to make a difference if you'll allow God's compassion to flow through your words. That's all in the world I see prophecy as. All right? And so I came up with this. I had too much time on my hands. So I came up with this for the word prophecy. It should profit, you see. All right, so here it is. Hey, this took time. This took time. All right, so here it is. Everybody say it with me. Prophecy always profits others in the body, you see. If it doesn't profit others in the body, it's not prophecy. I thought that was good, but I'm alone. I was all alone in my car. No, you don't have to applaud. Sometimes God says, I would think about that before you put it on the screen, all right? Sometimes I have a reaction to leftover pizza or something. But anyway, so let's read it one more time. Prophecy always profits others in the body, you see. If it doesn't profit others in the body, it's not prophecy. So it's not about you. Again, it's about the body of Christ, all right? And so in chapter 14 here, again, Paul makes this parallel between speaking in tongues and prophecy. And he's saying, in essence, if somebody comes in your church and everybody's speaking in tongues, they're going to think you're crazy. Because tongues is meant to be spoken to God, for the most part. He says, so if they come in, everybody's speaking in tongues, it seems like mass chaos. But notice what he says here. This is so good about prophecy. He says, prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but for those who believe. If everybody prophesies, so it is possible that everybody prophesies, and all in the world that means is we're so walking in the Spirit that we know the heart of God, and, when, and God knows the body, and He knows that you're hurting, and if He knows you're hurting, He's going to put that burden on me, so I'll know you're hurting. How many of you have ever had, this has happened to all of us, how many of you have just had a name pop in your mind? You're just driving down the road, you're going through your day, and God just puts somebody on your mind. Why does he do that? Because he knows that person needs somebody to pray for him, maybe somebody to call him. I can't tell you how many people have spoken a word of prophecy into me. They just call me and say, hey, I don't know why God's put you on my mind today. Just want to call and tell you, hey, I'm praying for you. God knows the hurt. He knows the pain. And I used to think prophecy, man, I don't want to get into that because God will expose my sin to other people. I found that not to be true. Here's what I found to be true. If I were to use Steve here at the front. You know, if Steve is struggling, I've never seen prophecy ever belittle someone. I've never seen the gift of prophecy ever condemn someone. Prophecy is generally something like this. If I got a word for Steve here, it would be something like, Steve, man, I just want to tell you, I know you're struggling. God knows uh, your heartache. He knows your personal struggles. But he just wants to tell you, brother, that he loves you unconditionally. He wants you to know that he does not see you like you see yourself. Prophecy is always edifying to the church. Can I tell you, God has a far greater view of you than you have of yourself. It really is true. 
And prophecy is just sharing with people. Man, I pray today, God, when I get up there, I just want to love these people. I want them to experience your love and how you see them. I want to walk out of church today believing what the Bible says about me and not what I feel about myself. God loves you so much. And he knows all the, he knows what's in your closets. Can I tell you, he knows every skeleton in your closet. And he still loves you because he knows you're a work in progress. And all in the world prophecy is. Somebody came out of their 8 o'clock service. I tell you, I was working up a sweat at the 8 o'clock. I said, I don't even know if I can finish today. Somebody said at the 8 o'clock when they left, they said, Pastor, you put the cookies on the low shelf for us to get. It took me a minute, all right? Preachers are slow. But I want to make it so simple. So simple that you don't think, man, I could never, ever have prophecy. Because all prophecy is, is walking in the Spirit, feeling His compassion, and saying to people what He would say if He were here in the flesh. Everywhere you go, the cashier, can I tell you, the cashier, everywhere you check out, that cashier needs to hear how God feels about her. Every waitress or waiter that you have, wouldn't it be great if we could just speak life into them and just love them and encourage them as Jesus would? Everywhere you go, man, to build up, to encourage, the church should be the last place that beats you down. I like when Paul was riding to the church at Corinth, by the way. The church at Corinth was condoning adultery. They were getting drunk at the Lord's Supper. They were divided four ways. I mean, he should have started out his book, You sinners! You stink! But he didn't. You know how he started the book of 1 Corinthians? I'm writing to the church of God, to those who are sanctified in Christ, called to be saints. He told them who they were in Christ, and as a result of who they were, what was going on wasn't good. And when you discover who you are in Christ, it will change how you live. Not because you have to, but you're going to be so blown away by the grace of God and the love of God, you're going to want to change to be like Him. All right, I better get going. All right, you guys need to say, keep it moving, Pastor! All right, just every once in a while. So prophecy is not for unbelievers. If all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. Thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Now again, he says if you walks in and everybody's speaking in tongues, he's going to walk out saying those folks are crazy. But if he walks in and sees everybody building up, encouraging, and comforting each other with their words, he's going to say, God is there. Because I'm going to tell you something, folks. The only lovable thing about us is the love of God. I can't tell you, man, I was exhausted yesterday after the funeral. I gave it 100%, not to beat anybody, not to put anybody down, but I just wanted them to know how unconditionally God loved them. And people say to me, Pastor, you should never, ever preach on gifts. It's too dividing. But I love you guys too much to not preach on gifts. Why would you not want to hear that God wants to use you in the body of Christ? And just because some people abuse it on one side or the other, I don't want to miss out on what God has for me.
All right, I need to keep going. Here's uh, the last verse of chapter 14. He says, therefore, brethren, he, he starts the chapter and ends the chapter. He says, desire earnestly to prophesy. I want to encourage you to desire, be passionate about prophesying. God, give me your heart. Give me your compassion. Help me to see the body as you see the body. And may my words build up, encourage, and comfort the body of Christ. And he says, do not forbid to speak in tongues. He said, hey, it, don't forbid it. And I've heard pastors get up and forbid it. He says, hey, there's a place for every gift in the body. And then it, here's the secret to all the study of gifts. Let everything be done decently and in order. I mean, there's an order. to. Th it's just not mass chaos. When God's in it, when we're under the head, everything fits together and flows together. All right? So let me give you some other scriptures about prophecy. I, I was kind of blown away when I started studying prophecy, how much was in the Bible on prophecy. On the day of Pentecost, when those folks got saved, Peter stood up to preach, and he quotes from the book of Joel. And this is what he says, part of what he says in Acts chapter 2. It shall come to pass in the last days. And I don't know of anybody, any pastor that does not believe we're living in the last days. And here's what Peter says. Here's what's going to happen in the last days. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Not just Americans. All flesh. One day before the throne, there's going to be people from every tribe, tongue, and people group on the planet. That's the grace of God. It reaches out across all barriers. And here's what he says. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I didn't say that. He was anointed by God. He's quoting the, he said, here's what's going to happen when the spirit comes upon you. You're going to find your sons and your daughters prophesying. Kind of sounds like it's for everybody. And then he goes on to say this. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit, and they too will prophesy. Isn't it crazy that if prophecy is for all the believers, why have we never been taught? Why have we never been encouraged to pursue prophecy? It's not some kind of mystical, magical, deep, dark secret of God. It's again walking in the Spirit, having the heart of God, and using our words to again provide, build up to encourage and to comfort the body of Christ. Why would we not want to do that? So he says everyone will prophesy. When Paul went to Ephesus, he found a group of believers that had never received the Holy Spirit. So the Bible says he laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. I'm just here to tell you, and again, I know there are going to be people telling you a lot of these gifts are no longer available. The problem is, I cannot unsee what my eyes have seen. I cannot unexperience what I've experienced. I'm here to tell you, I believe the same God that gave those gifts in the book of Acts gives those same gifts to the church today. And just because somebody abuses them, I want to experience all of God. That's why in our church, by the way, in our church, you'll find people who come from a charismatic background, 
who come from a Catholic background and everywhere in between. You know why? Because denominations are not important. Jesus is important. And I think people want to come together, put all that man-made stuff to the side, and walk in the Spirit and experience God as God designed the church. I think the world is waiting to see a church that will let God be God in the church. And if we don't understand spiritual gifts, man, we're going to keep limping along, just doing the best we can. And so the Bible says that Philip, who was a deacon, how many of you know God can use deacons? Yeah, he can. And so Philip had four daughters who prophesied. Now that doesn't surprise me because I think everybody was prophesying. I think this is one gift we can all desire for him to prophesy. Now, some of you, sometimes when I talk about prophecy, I see some people get mad. You can always tell when their neck veins get out. And they get in their purse or their wallet, they get, and they take some high blood pressure medicine. There are people who despise talking about the gifts of the Spirit. They despise it. That's why Paul wrote this verse in 1 Thessalonians. Do not despise prophecies. Just because we don't understand everything about it, don't despise it. Learn to embrace and learn to to desire and learn to walk in the Spirit. I'm going to get some calls this week. People who are in a different camp, and that's okay. I just want to tell you as a pastor, my heart is never to divide the church, but to unite us together with the things of the Spirit. Only God can draw us together, and gifts are part of that. Revelation 19, John says this, The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I love that. Because really, real prophecy is about sharing Jesus and the compassion of Jesus with other people. The New Living Translation says, For the essence of prophecy is to give a clear witness to Jesus. I love that. And so when we begin to share and encourage and build up and comfort, we're literally sharing the heart of Jesus with people. And I like how the NIV says it, for the spirit of prophecy, uh, for it is the spirit of prophecy who bears testimony to Jesus. I love that. Next week, I want to talk about walking in the spirit and hearing god because if we're going to share the heart of god we've got to hear the heart of god right we got to be walking in the spirit now i've had people tell me and i want to close with this question does god speak to us outside of the bible now there are people who tell me the only way god speaks is through his word now i believe god speaks through his word yeah I believe this is the complete, redemptive revelation of God. I don't think we're ever going to have a 67th book. God's not going to say, oh, I forgot something. I've got to add something. I think this Bible includes all the redemptive revelation of God. But in saying that, I also believe that because of the Bible, I think the Bible teaches that God speaks to us in many ways. And if we're going to be able to share the heart of God along the journey, we got to be hearing the voice of God. How many of you have ever been through Henry Blackleby's Experiencing God? I mean, a lot of people have gone through it, and it's under this premise that God is always working. And he takes it from the life of Jesus when Jesus said, The Father's always working, and I just do what I see the Father doing. And so I do want to tell you God's always working. That's true. 
But also I want to tell you, Jesus said, I only say what I hear the Father saying. I believe God is always speaking. And so next week, we're going to look at some ways that God speaks to us. And I just want to, again, from the Bible, I want to show you that the Bible teaches God speaks to us through different ways. I want to hear God every single day. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be able to use prophecy to love on people, to encourage people, and to comfort people. I just share this story. I'm a, I, I, may, I may take a Sunday and just talk about my journey with prophecy. The first time I remember a word of prophecy being spoken, I didn't even know what it was at the time. But I was in West Yellowstone, Montana as a summer missionary. We were up there with about 24, 26 other young people from all over the country. And so we got to hang out in West Yellowstone, up by uh, Na Yellowstone National Park all summer. And I got on a van. I mean, I just, I was laid off from my job, so I had time. And so I got on a van. I rode all the way up to West Yellowstone, Montana. And here's, here was my training for being a summer missionary. It was a van ride. I got on the van as just a, a guy that just dedicated his life to God. When I got off that van in West Yellowstone, Montana, I was a missionary. I had no training. But I was a missionary. And I remember they took us around. We had to have jobs in the town of West Yellowstone. And so they took a couple of us through the hotel there. Uh, it was called the Best Western, all right? And so they were taking us around. They went down into the laundry room. And man, those guys down there were cussing. They were smoking. I mean, they were just filthy. And I said to God, God, I'll serve anywhere, not there. I don't want to go in that laundry room, man. That's hell on earth. Guess where they put us? They were in the laundry room. My friend, the friend I was with, he began to preach to him. Self-righteous preaching. And he said to this one guy, he was kind of the, the ringleader, he had long hair. He said, you know, that's not good for your temple to smoke pot. And he came up to me later. By the way, when he was preaching to that guy that was smoking pot, he had a sucker in his mouth. You know, the Bible says it's not good for your temple to smoke pot. I'll never forget this guy looked at him and said, well, what about that sucker? Is that good for your temple? I thought, yeah, that's good preaching right there. I need to keep that line. You know, people who condemn other people have their own issues. Can I just say that? But I remember that, that guy came to me not long after that, the guy with the long hair, and I had long hair. My hair was down on my shoulders. But he came to me and he said, what does the Bible say about smoking pot? I've never been asked that. I've never took a class on what the Bible says about smoking pot. But, you know, I just began to love on this guy, and I said, you know, I don't know if the Bible says anything about it. I just want you to know God loves you. And, and he said, you know, I've come up here to have fun this summer, man. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to live it up this summer. I may get saved, but he says it's going to be at the end of the summer. How many of you think God wants to take all your fun away? That's what he thought. And so we start praying for Andy. About a week later, Andy came up to me and he said, Roger, we got to talk. We walked outside to the edge of town that night after work. And out there in a field by the airport, we were sitting on a stump. And there on that field out in the airport, 
And he knelt down by that stump and received Christ as his Lord and Savior. And he got so saved, he upset everybody at the, at the hotel, motel. He was telling everybody about Jesus. He was radical. He said, Roger, they're threatening me to lose my job, but I can't help it. And so I was just cheering him on, man, cheering him on. But, you know, one of the things we did that summer, we were in a musical. It was called Light Shine. If you've ever seen Light Shine, it's a musical. And there's 25, 26 of us up there for the summer. Everybody, they were trying to figure out who had what part. And can I just brag about myself for a minute? They gave me the leading part. Of 25, 26 people, I got the leading role of the musical of Light Shine. I don't brag about it much. Now, if you've seen Light Shine, you know that the leading character is a mime. <laughs> who doesn't talk in the, in, the, in the musical, doesn't sing. And they, the guy who was leading it said, who's the one voice we can do without? I was picked. So I was a mime. I didn't get to talk, didn't get to sing. God knew what he was doing that, day, that summer. But after we did the performance one day, I can still remember a lady coming up to me. And I could tell, you could just tell when God is on somebody's life. And she said, I just, I just got to tell you that for some reason, and she began to speak what now I would say was a prophetic word into my life. And she began to tell me how she believed God wanted to use my life. And I don't know how she could get that because I didn't say anything. But God had somehow put on this lady's heart to come up to this young guy and just speak life into me. I want to tell you that every day we live, everywhere we go, we have the opportunity to be the voice of Jesus everywhere. I just want to encourage you, and I, as I encourage myself, let's just so again walk in the Spirit, that everywhere we go, everybody we bump elbows with, that God would give us a word of compassion, that God would give us a word to encourage and to edify their life. May they walk away and just somehow know that they know that they've been in the presence of Jesus. I want to share part of my journey in this area of prophecy. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say up front, I, I've been to some Catholic teaching, I've been to some charismatic teaching, Probably most that I've learned about prophecy came from a charismatic church because they actually talk about it. But I want to tell you with all of my heart, I love you guys. Man, I would never, ever do anything to hurt our church. But I feel like to not talk about the gifts is hindering us from being all that God wants us to be. I want to encourage you to begin to desire to prophesy, to begin to speak the heart of God to others. And I want to say that you have the same exact opportunity as I have. Let's pray together. If you're able, just stand right where you are. I just want to say from the heart of God, 
He knows everything that's in your closets. He knows your thought life. He knows that thing that you just keep stumbling over. But I want to tell you today that he loves you so much. He could not love you more than he loves you today, nor could he love you less. I just want you to receive the love of God. Would you ask God to so fill you with his spirit that everywhere you go, you would just speak the words of God to everybody around you and speak comfort and edification and comfort. God may be putting somebody on your mind this morning that you need to go to and talk with. God may lay somebody on your heart in the middle of the day that he wants you to somehow contact. I pray that God would so fill us with his spirit that the anointing of God would just flow through this body and we would be ministering life everywhere we go. I have no agenda. I really have no agenda other than to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're here today and for the first time in your life, today's the day that you need to receive Christ. If you've been saved and never been baptized, I believe that's the first step of obedience. Would you ask God that He would use you would you begin to desire the gift of prophecy? Father, fill us. Saturate us with your spirit. God, may we never be the same as we embrace all that you have for us. I thank you so much for my church family. And Father, I pray that we would never be the same after being here today. Father, help us to love the body of Christ and to, and to minister to the body. In Jesus' name, amen.